Good afternoon, and thank you for attending today's Paycom Software fourth quarter and full year 2022 results conference call. My name is Danielle, and I will be your moderator for today's call. All lines will be muted during the presentation portion of the call with an opportunity for questions and answers at the end. If you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by one on your telephone keypad. It is now my pleasure to hand the conference over to our host, James Sanford, Head of Investor Relations. James, the floor is yours. Thank you, and welcome to Paycom's earnings conference call for the fourth quarter and full year 2022. Certain statements made on this call that are not historical facts, including those related to our future plans, objectives, and expected performance, are forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. These forward-looking statements represent our outlook only as of the date of this conference call. While we believe any forward-looking statements made on this call are reasonable, actual results may differ materially because the statements are based on our current expectations and subject to risks and uncertainties. These risks and uncertainties are discussed in our filings with the SEC, including our most recent annual report on Form 10-K. You should refer to and consider these factors when relying on such forward-looking information. Any forward-looking statement made speaks only as of the date on which it is made, and we do not undertake and expressly disclaim any obligation to update or alter our forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, except as required by applicable law. Also during today's call, we will refer to certain non-GAAP financial measures, including adjusted EBITDA, non-GAAP net income, adjusted gross profit, adjusted gross margin, and certain adjusted expenses. We use these non-GAAP financial measures to review and assess our performance and for planning purposes. A reconciliation schedule showing GAAP versus non-GAAP results is included in the press release that we issued after the close of the market today and is available on our website at investors.paycom.com. We'll now turn the call over to Chad Richardson, Paycom's President and Chief Executive Officer. Chad? Thanks, James, and thank you to everyone joining our call today. We ended 2022 with very strong results, and I'd like to thank all of our employees for the consistent hard work and execution that drove four consecutive quarters of revenue growth of 30% or more over the respective prior year periods. I'll spend a few minutes on the highlights of our fourth quarter and our full year 2022 results and high-level expectations for 2023. Following that, Craig will review our financials and our guidance, and then we will take questions. Our 2022 fourth quarter revenue of approximately $371 million came in very strong, up 30% year over year, bringing our full year 2022 revenue to $1,375,000,000, also up 30% year over year. Fourth quarter adjusted EBITDA also came in very strong at $164 million representing an adjusted EBITDA margin of 44%, bringing our full-year 2022 adjusted EBITDA to $580 million, representing an adjusted EBITDA margin of 42%. The sum of our 2022 revenue growth rate and adjusted EBITDA margin resulted in us hitting the rule of 72. With our full-year 2023 guidance, we are once again starting the year strong with outlook for a solid rule of 65. As a reminder, we guide to what we can see based on our existing recurring revenue, new business sales, and anticipated new starts in the near term. I'm pleased with the momentum we are carrying into the new year. 
On the product front, 2022 was a very strong year for Paycom, benefiting from our first full year of rolling out Betty, our differentiated employee self-service payroll solution. We are seeing strong demand trends that position us to deliver another year of rapid, profitable growth in 2023. We are leading an industry transformation by making payroll and HCM processes more efficient for both employees and businesses by eliminating manual tasks, improving accuracy, and reducing liability exposure caused when payroll and HCM is done inaccurately. With Betty, employees are doing their own payroll by interfacing directly with their data in a self-service, easy-to-use software. A recent study conducted by Ernst & Young found that the average organization has a 20% inaccuracy rate when it comes to payrolls, which results in lost revenue, hours wasted correcting errors, and increased exposure to potential lawsuits and fines. Each of these mistakes cost an average of $291 and can cost upwards of $705 for unentered nonproductive time errors. So you can see how costly these errors become over time. In fact, over the course of a year, a 1,000-employee company could potentially incur almost $1 million in unnecessary costs correcting common payroll mistakes. Betty automates the payroll processes to deliver perfect payroll, and employees are empowered to identify and correct errors ahead of time so that everybody wins. Our marketing plan in 2022 continued to perform well, delivering strong demo leads throughout the year as we spent aggressively on advertising. At the same time, our deliberate investments in marketing are delivering high margin revenues, and we saw improving operating leverage in the sales and marketing throughout 2022. We continue to be pulled up market in 2022, with the fastest growing revenue segment of our business coming from clients with greater than 2,000 employees. We are seeing increasing demand from larger organizations that are recognizing the opportunity to simplify their HCM needs, and Paycom is well positioned to benefit from this trend. With only approximately 5% of the TAM today, there's still plenty of runway ahead for us to expand our market share. Paycom received national recognition from several organizations in 2022. As a workplace, we were named one of America's most trusted companies as well as Best Company for Women, and we received a Top Workplace in Oklahoma Award for a 10th consecutive year. These awards are a testament to our hard work, our thriving corporate culture, and our client focus. As of December 31, 2022, our headcount stood at over 6,300 employees, up 18% year-over-year as we continue to have great success attracting and retaining high-quality talent to further bolster our future growth. Additionally, I want to congratulate the 2022 Paycom Jim Thorpe Award winner, Travis Hodges Tomlinson from Texas Christian University. This award recognizes the most outstanding defensive back in college football and memorializes Jim Thorpe, who is one of the greatest all-around athletes in history. Jim Thorpe also happened to be an Oklahoman. To sum up, our focus on the employee experience and client ROI continue to fuel our strong results and we are executing well. I'm very excited about the long list of new innovative opportunities we will be pursuing in 2023 and beyond. I'd like to thank our employees for helping to make 2022 such a strong year, and we are set up for another great year in 2023. With that, I'll turn the call over to Craig for a review of our financials and guidance. Craig? 
Before I review our fourth quarter and full year results for 2022 and our outlook for the first quarter and full year 2023, I would like to remind everyone that my comments related to certain financial measures will be on a non-GAAP basis. We ended the year with very strong results with full year 2022 revenue of $1,375,000,000, up 30.3% compared to 2021. Fourth quarter results were excellent, with total revenues of $370.6 million, representing growth of 30% over the comparable prior year period. Our revenue growth was driven by strong demand, new business wins, and adoption of recent new product offerings. Within total revenues, recurring revenue was $364 million for the fourth quarter of 2022, representing 98% of total revenues for the quarter and growing 30% from the comparable prior year period. We ended 2022 with approximately 36,600 clients, representing a growth rate of 8% compared to 2021. On a parent company grouping basis, we ended the year with roughly 19,100 clients, also up 8% compared to 2021. Total number of employee records increased 14% year over year in 2022 to 6.5 million. Paycom's annual revenue retention rate in 2022 was 93%, which was consistent with our recent four-year average of 93%, and up more than 200 basis points from the prior four-year period average of 91%. Total adjusted gross profit for the fourth quarter was $312.5 million, representing an adjusted gross margin of 84.3%. For the full year 2022, our adjusted gross margin was 84.9%. Adjusted sales and marketing expense for the fourth quarter of 2022 was $87.3 million, or 23.5% of revenues. Our marketing strategy in 2022 has been very effective at driving high-quality demo leads. With the revenue generated from prior period investments, we saw a 100 basis point improvement in adjusted sales and marketing expense as a percentage of revenues for the year. We plan to continue to invest in marketing in Q1 and throughout 2023. Adjusted R&D expense was $36.6 million in the fourth quarter of 2022, or 9.9% of total revenues. Adjusted total R&D costs, including the capitalized portion, were $51.8 million in the fourth quarter of 2022, compared to $44 million in the prior year period. We have a very strong pipeline of product development opportunities in 2023 that we believe will create tremendous value for our clients and for Paycom. Adjusted EBITDA was $163.9 million in the fourth quarter of 2022, or 44.2% of total revenues, compared to $109.6 million in the fourth quarter of 2021, or 38.4% of total revenues. For the full year 2022, adjusted EBITDA was $579.7 million, or 42.2% of total revenues, compared to $419.3 million, or 39.7% of total revenues in 2021, representing over 240 basis points of margin expansion. Our GAAP net income for the fourth quarter was $80 million, or $1.38 per diluted share, versus $48.7 million, or $0.84 cents per diluted share in the prior year period, based on approximately 58 million shares in both periods. For the full year 2022, our GAAP net income was $281.4 million, or $4.84 per diluted share, up 44% year over year.
Non-GAAP net income for the fourth quarter of 2022 was $100.2 million, or $1.73 for diluted share, versus $64.4 million, or $1.11 for diluted share in the prior year period. For the full year 2022, our non-GAAP net income was $357.2 million, or $6.14 per diluted share, versus $260.4 million, or $4.48 per diluted share in the prior year period, up 37% year over year. For Q1 and full year 2023, we anticipate our effective income tax rate to be approximately 28% on a GAAP basis and approximately 26% on a non-GAAP basis. Turning to the balance sheet, we ended the year with a very strong balance sheet, including cash and cash equivalents of $401 million and total debt of $29 million. During 2022, we repurchased approximately 365,000 shares for a total of nearly $100 million. Through December 31, 2022, Paycom has repurchased nearly 4.7 million shares since 2016 for a total of nearly $590 million, and we currently have $1.1 billion remaining in our buyback program. Cash from operations was $365 million in 2022, representing an increase of 14.3%. The new requirement in 2022 to capitalize instead of expense R&D costs resulted in approximately $27 million in additional income tax payments that would have been deferred under previous law. This impacted both our operating cash flow and free cash flow as compared to 2021. The average daily balance of funds held on behalf of clients was approximately $2.1 billion in the fourth quarter of 2022. For 2023, we anticipate stock compensation to be approximately $120 million. On the capital expenditure front, we're in full construction of our fifth building in Oklahoma City, and we now estimate total CapEx as a percent of revenues to be approximately 12% in 2023. Now let me turn to guidance. For fiscal 2023, we expect revenue in the range of $1,700,000,000 to $1,702,000,000, or approximately 24% year-over-year growth at the midpoint of the range. We expect adjusted EBITDA in the range of $700,000,000 to $702,000,000, representing an adjusted EBITDA margin of approximately 41% at the midpoint of the range. Once again, we are starting the year's guidance at the rule of 65. For the first quarter of 2023, we expect total revenues in the range of $443 million to $445 million, representing a growth rate over the comparable prior year period of approximately 26% at the midpoint of the range. We expect adjusted EBITDA for the first quarter in the range of $210 million to $212 million, representing an adjusted EBITDA margin of approximately 48% at the midpoint of the range. 2022 was a very strong year for Paycom, reflecting the strength of prior year investments and consistent execution. We will continue to invest in talent, marketing, innovation, customer service, and geographic expansion to meet the strong demands we are experiencing. With that, we will open the line for questions. Operator. If you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by one on your telephone keypad. If for any reason you would like to remove that question, please press star followed by two. Again, to ask a question, please press star one. 
As a reminder, if you are using a speakerphone, please remember to pick up your handset before asking your question. We would also ask that you limit yourself to one question and one follow-up question. The first question comes from the line of Ramo Lencho of Barclays. Please proceed. Good question. Um, Chad, can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing out there in terms of end demand? Obviously, you know, the markets are nervous. Uh, there's kind of data points about SMB coming in that uh, they might be weaker on some of the players in the other segments of the software market. So just talk a little bit of what you're seeing. You know, uh, we're also looking at the numbers. The, your renewals came in at 93 versus 94. Just kind of just paint a picture for us a, a little bit there. And then um, one for Craig, if you think about the new year and investments, like how do you think balance that kind of seeing, you know, other guys being nervous about the economy and your investment approach for the year? Just tell, talk a little bit about the flexibility there. Thank you. Yeah, I'll start off. I mean, our go-to-market remains very strong. Uh, you know, we continue to have very strong book sales, and we've been selling Betty across the board. Uh, new clients that come in have about 50% of their employees doing their own payroll uh, within the first two months of using Betty. And so that continues to be successful. You know, from 2015 to 2018, we had a retention rate of anywhere from 91 to 92%. It was 91% for three of those years and 92% uh, for one of those years. For the last four years, from 2019 through 2022, uh, we've had a retention rate of 93% for three of the years and 94% of, of one of those years. You know, there's often rounding at play uh, as you look through that. But what I will also say is uh, with clients who have Betty, we have a much, much higher retention rate uh, across our base. And I would expect retention to continue to rise uh, as a larger percent of our current client base uh, deploys Betty. Yeah, Ramo, and then, uh, you know, on the plan for uh, 2023, you know, we've given our guidance on our adjusted EBITDA, and, uh, you know, it's still a very, um, you know, a strong uh, a guide on that as we're looking at 41%. So, you know, we, we as I mentioned in the prepared remarks, you know, we're going to continue to spend on the, on the marketing side, the R&D side, and then, you know, in, in, in the uh, uh, service side as well. And really, the you know, the marketing is the one area where we can pull levers. You know, we don't have any long-term commitments out there, so that is an area where, you know, we, we could pull levers if we needed to. Thank you. The next question comes from Samad Samana of Jeffries. Please proceed. Great. Thanks for, for taking my questions. I, I guess first one, uh, Chad, did I hear you say, I think you said you had just north of 6,300 employees. Um, I, I think that's uh, high teams growth over um, the, the prior year. I'm just curious how we should think about the, the hiring in context of it. It's slightly slower than it was in 2021. I'm just curious, is it that we're, we should expect just productivity to increase? maybe what the exit rate on that growth rate is and just uh, how we think about that, the hiring trends for Paycom itself. Yeah, I mean, you know, we hired what we looked to hire uh, last year. I think, believe our growth was around 18% uh, in hiring. You know, we definitely have a more efficient client. Uh, I've been talking about uh, for quite some time who, uh, you know, we kind of have the haves and the have-nots when you look across our client base with those clients that have already deployed Betty and are getting strong usage out of it. We're just we're having to do less for them. I mean, we're having to fix less things. We're having to uh, 
uh, you know, do less adjustments, and, uh, and so they're just much more efficient. And, you know, so we don't need as many people when people are, are using Betty. That said, uh, you know, we had a very healthy uh, growth in our uh, employment uh, last year, uh, and so I believe we had uh, success with that. Great. And then maybe if I just think about, uh, we've almost fully lapped the, the new office expansions by a year. I know it usually takes a little bit over a year for them to become fully productive, but just how are those progressing and how should we think about, are there any new planned offices um, that you're assuming in the, in the 2023 guidance that you just gave? You know, we always guide to what we can see. I mean, first I'll answer those office uh, uh, questions. Uh, you know, we did open up, open up five offices over the course of about three months. One of those, I believe, was in December of 2021. The others were in first quarter of, uh, of 2022. All of those continued to progress. Uh, they wouldn't be at full staffing yet, but they would achieve that uh, throughout this year as well as with the full backline pipeline. And then uh, next year, in the year of 2024, they would all be in the, on the same quota as our uh, mature offices are. As far as uh, what we anticipate to do this year from office openings, as we all know uh, that you followed us for a while, uh, office openings uh, that we would anticipate uh, to expand into this year would have very little impact on this year, uh, but would have more of an impact on uh, both 2024 as well as 2025. Thank you. The next question comes from Mark Marcon of Baird. Please proceed. Hey, good afternoon, and thanks for taking my questions. Um, one one question, you, you, Craig, you mentioned uh, you've got 2.1 billion held for cash held for clients in the fourth quarter. What what sort of effective yield are you getting on that? And what is the expectation with regards to the float balance? growing over the course of the coming year and, and how we should think about uh, an effective yield on that. Yeah, so Mark, on the, on the balance, you know, if you look at it this uh, quarter, it grew about 13%. It's grown, you know, at different rates throughout, uh, you know, 2022. So, you know, it's typically going to grow at a rate, you know, lower than what our uh, expected, you know, revenue growth rate is going to be. Uh, and, you know, part of that is, you know, as we continue to move up market, that those funds are held, uh, you know, for a less period of time. You know, we, we have to make those payments much quicker. So, you know, that move up market would, would keep that from growing at the same rate as, uh, you know, our growth rate. You know, in terms of the yield, we haven't really, uh, you know, given the exact yield. But, you know, what we do say is that, you know, as the rates move up, you know, for every 25 basis points, we would expect to get about $5 million. Uh, but, you know, it layers in over time. And, you know, as we're continuing to look for longer-term investments on our portfolio, you know, some of those are at a little lower rate. And we've actually started to layer in some of those. You can see that from some of our earlier uh, filings. So, you know, we're not going to get – and also the banks are a little slower to give you those uh, 25 basis points. So it takes a couple quarters to get those uh, layered in. So, you know, it would be, it would be uh, something lower than, the, you know, the Fed funds rate. Okay. Would, would would the rule of thumb seventy to eighty percent of Fed funds with a delay be kind of a good rule of thumb to think of? I mean, I mean, I well, I think you're close. I, mean, I, would, I would say that that's kind of in the range, Mark. We're sub four today. Yeah, we're sub four. 
Thank you. The next question comes from Brian Schwartz of Oppenheimer. Please proceed. Hi, Chad and Craig. Thanks for taking my questions. Congratulations on a, on a real nice job with the business and on 4Q. Um, Chad, I just wanted to ask you a question about either the, the business activity or the pipeline momentum by customer size. Are you seeing any differences in terms of the demand or the behavior of the larger organizations that are, that are flowing through the pipeline versus, say, um, the smaller companies? Well, we definitely continue to, uh, uh, you know, creep up as we have done even since IPO, as we've continued to increase uh, our target market. In fact, last year revenue was up 60% with clients that had uh, 2,000 employees or more. So, you know, we are definitely seeing uh, a demand continuing to be pulled uh, higher, especially as, you know, businesses are looking to deploy uh, Betty so that their employees can actually do their own payroll. Thank you. And then um, one follow-up just for Craig real quickly. Um, did you buy back any stock in the quarter? And can you just remind uh, me again how much authorization you have left for buybacks? Thanks. Yeah, so uh, I don't think we – we didn't buy back any this quarter. For the full year, you know, we bought back about $100 million worth, and I think we have $1.1 left on our buyback. Thank you. The next question comes from Joshua Riley of Needham. Please proceed. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, if you look at the um, growth expectations for 2023 here, how do you think about the mix of growth from new customers versus existing? As, as we know, existing customers, while smaller historically and net new bookings, their growth has increased in the last couple of years. And we're seeing some different trends with different software vendors. Yeah, we're, ours is going to primarily come from new logo ads when you just look at the size of revenue that we need to grow by in order to continue to hit, uh, you know, our objectives. And so, you know, first prize is going to be new logo ads. Uh, we don't really have uh, a lot to call out on uh, pace per uh, control growth uh, from that perspective, but uh, you know, new logo ads is going to be uh, primary for us. We've always had a healthy upsell to current clients. It's just been at a much smaller level than what uh, new logo ads are, and it's been consistent. Our upsells to current clients, as a percentage, uh, has been consistent uh, each year, with the exception of the year we had uh, ACA. Got it. That's helpful. And then, as we look to Q1 here. How should we think about the impact from W2 revenue? Remember last year, you know, that was impacted on a year-over-year -year basis because of the turnover in 2020 due to COVID. Are the trends going to normalize here in this March quarter, given what happened in 22 with hiring or anything to highlight there? Yeah, I feel like they are uh, more normal. I think it's important to understand that, you know, the uh, our year-end services as far as what we provide to a client, that hadn't changed a lot in the last 15 years as far as, you know, you added 1099s at one point, but you have W-2s, W-3s, 1099. Meanwhile, uh, the growth of our other uh, revenue as, we, as we've added all these other products, uh, you know, has been somewhat substantial. And so it's just the uh, percentage or amount that our year-end services has uh, on the overall client base is much lower now than what it was in the past just because it's not growing at the same rate. 
I would say, yeah. I mean, I would say yes from a normalization. I think you saw uh, normal hiring and business patterns uh, more so last year than what you had, uh, you know, in, in years past, in, in a couple of years uh, past. So, from a normalization of year informs filing, yes, I would say that we are uh, we're there. Thank you. Next question comes from Steve Enders of Citigroup. Please proceed. Hi, great. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the question here. Uh, I, I guess I just want to, you know, dig into a little bit more on, on the outlook for, for for next year, and particularly on the on the on the margin side. I think you know talked about in the past that um, you know if we think about float income flowing through, that um, you know that that you know, some of that would flow down to the to the bottom line. So just trying to think about um, how you're thinking about you know that layering in for for 23 and kind of where the the biggest areas of incremental uh, investment are, are, are coming, and that's leading to the uh, the EBITDA, um, you know, slight EBITDA guy down from uh, from where we were in 22. Yeah, it's primarily, you know, we, we've continued to, uh, you know, invest in sales and marketing, you know, and that's what we've, uh, you know, we said on the on, on the prepared remarks, you know, we're going to continue to invest there, as, as, you know, and, and assume that it's going to continue to work. So uh, that's really the the area where we're going to continue to invest. Also in the R&D, I mean, we have uh, a lot of uh, uh, projects in the works, and uh, we'll continue to hire aggressively in the R&D side as well. Okay, I guess on the on the marketing spend that you are putting out there, I know it's been a more uh, more recent uh, initiative for you all. I guess what's kind of been the the ROI on those dollars that you have have seen, and, and you know, how has that kind of changed the you know, top of funnel activity or conversion rates that uh, that you've seen as kind of the, the brand awareness uh, campaigns have, have gotten out there more? Yeah, I mean, marketing, you know, we started in 2020. That was also the year that we added four inside sales teams. Uh, and then in 2021, we added another six inside sales teams. I believe one of those years, our unit count went up about 17%. We had 17% uh, uh, growth marketing drove that uh, you know as we uh, do our marketing and spend money on advertising you know we have clients of all size uh, call us and so marketing's directly responsible for any any uh, business that's coming in uh, below uh, 50 employees and you have some direct responsibility for it above 50 employees but uh, you know it provides more support at, at that level as our go-to markets uh, different uh, above 50 employees than what we experience uh, uh, below growth's first prize, as Craig's talked about, and as we look at guidance into this year, uh, you know we expect to spend healthy marketing, but but also uh, we expect for it to work, uh, which would return itself with uh, uh, high highly profitable revenue, uh, you know which we did see throughout uh, 2022, uh, which produced uh, healthy adjusted EBITDA margins. Next question comes from Sidi Panigrafi of Mizuho. Please proceed. Oh, uh, thanks for taking my question, uh, Chad. Um, if I look at your clients' growth, uh, you know, uh, in 2022, eight uh, percent. Uh, that's kind of slowing down versus pre-COVID level, which used to be more in teens. Uh, um, well, I'm, I'm sure there's a factor of like you're moving up markets or client size, but is there anything else uh, we should, uh, you know, anything that yeah, impacted and how should we think about the client growth rate going forward? 
Yeah, I would say the comp had a little bit to do with it. You know, prior to 2020, we had five sales reps that sold inside sales. In 2020, we added 40. Uh, and then in 2022, we added roughly another 50, 60. So uh, we started selling small business, uh, uh, you know, emerging business in a much stronger way as, uh, as the advertising was working. So and I don't want to say that it, our, our unit count was inflated uh, prior, you know, but it was different because we did uh, add a lot of small business units and, you know, it contributed to a 72% growth in units. Uh, I think we've had, uh, uh, and again, it did that in a year where we did 25% uh, revenue growth. So I think as we look last year, uh, you know, you could deduct that we had uh, a lot of success uh, selling in mid-range and above uh, mid-range in, in clients. And I would say our small business ads were somewhat more normalized uh, because we didn't really add any uh, small business uh, teams uh, last year like we had in 2020 and 2021. Uh, uh, thanks for that color. And then as a follow-up, uh, into your guidance, uh, what sort of uh, conservatism have you backed into your guidance? Uh, I know this is definitely going to help uh, float income this year, but uh, what sort of macro, uh, you know, environment you're, uh, you know, factored in into your guidance? Yeah, I mean, you know, we continue to guide in the $2 million range, so we have quite a bit of uh, visibility as we go uh, quarter to quarter. You know, I will say that in, uh, uh, you know, we started our guide last year for 2022. We started it at 25%, and we were comping over a year where we had done 25% uh, growth. You know, this year we're starting our guide at 24%, comping over a year where we had done 30% growth. And so, you know, we haven't changed our approach to guidance. We guide what we can see. And, you know, achievement matters throughout the year. And so that's what we're focused on as we move uh, throughout the year. And uh, so I'm, I'm trying to answer your conservatism. I mean, we guide to what we can see each time, and we look to unload the musket throughout the quarter. Thank you. The next question comes from Brian Bergen of Cowan. Please proceed. Hi, good afternoon, thank you. I wanted to follow up on retention first. So, so I heard the comments about steady clients being higher and the relative stability from prior years, but just as we think about the year-on-year -year downtick here, can you talk about, you know, is this larger client churn or is it, is it a lot of churn among smaller clients? Just trying to understand that dynamic. Well, we're definitely, uh, from a smaller client perspective, now, of course, they contribute uh, smaller revenue amounts, but from a smaller client perspective, I do think that you're sending more, you're seeing more of a trend uh, like maybe what you saw more pre-pandemic. I mean, there's less prop up for them uh, in the market. Uh, you know, for most new businesses, uh, I believe about 75% of them fell within the first uh, three years. So all that's at play. Uh, you know, when you're working with smaller business, as I just mentioned, we started adding, really started adding those small business units in 2020 uh, and then continued throughout 2021 and, you know, even added more obviously in 2022. And so that definitely uh, plays into it. I would also say that it's a revenue retention number. So you had a, you have a dividing number that you start with. Uh, I've been talking for quite some time about the efficiencies that clients who are using Betty and what they're gaining. In fact, we're just we're not having the same hiccups with them uh, that we would often charge them for uh, at a lower margin, 
uh, and then have to fix. And now those are really being prevented with Betty. So you've got a couple of things at play, and then also you've got some rounding at play, but all that's to say is 93% uh, from what I've seen still uh, up there uh, in, in, in industry-leading number. Uh, and, you know, I do expect, again, with clients that have Betty, I mean, we're, you know, we're running at a 99% type uh, retention rate with them. So, you know, it's a, little bit, it's a little bit different there. And as we continue to convert our uh, current client base over to Betty, uh, you know, we expect to have uh, some gains in that. Uh, I will mention that, uh, you know, we always have some uncontrolled losses, your bought, sold, merge type businesses. Uh, so getting to 100% isn't achievable. But, uh, you know, I, I believe that uh, we continue to have an opportunity to uh, bump up retention, and that's going to come through uh, usage, uh, appropriate usage of our product. Okay, understood. And then a follow-up on margin here. So, Craig, I may have missed it, but did you say where you expect gross margin to land in 2023? And, you know, I hear your message on increased efficiency in sales and marketing, and you've also mentioned increased, I guess, new product development. Should we expect that, that the explanation around the EBITDA downtick year on year more about R&D ramping, or is it both R&D and S&M? Yeah, I would say it's both uh, R&D and uh, sales and marketing, uh, you know, and as we're looking, uh, you know, for our plans for 2023. Uh, you know, we didn't really talk about the adjusted EBITDA, but we've been going a pretty narrow range for the last uh, you know, several margin. years. Yeah, gross margin uh, for the last several years. Thank you. The next question comes from Jason Salino of KeyBank. Please proceed. Hey, afternoon, guys. Um, maybe, Chad, you've been pretty vocal about opportunities to automate payroll and, and, and broader HR. You know, when we think about generative AI, I feel like this is up your alley. I mean, is, what excites you most about the technology if you've looked into it, and what could it mean for Paycom and HR as a whole? Well, I mean, you know, we're, we are solving, uh, you know, problems for the client and, and processes that I believe can be automated and, uh, you know, hadn't been until really uh, Betty came into play, which somewhat forces appropriate usage within our software for employees so that they can get paid correctly. Uh, I do believe that there's more automation uh, that we can be doing. Uh, but, you know, you've got to start with you've got to have the client uh, and, and the employees using the product correctly, which I will say that about 50% of our client base, that is the case. And, you know, last year was our first full year of, of, of uh, selling Betty and bringing it to the market. And so we're having a lot of success for that. I believe AI for the sake of AI, you know, isn't, isn't really valuable to the client, uh, but I believe that, uh, you know, if you can do something consistently, uh, and you can use something like AI uh, to do that. I think that's that's a good thing. So I don't I don't expect we would see it as a wide platform within our industry, uh, you know, this year uh, uh, type thing with that. But I think you'll have uh, more and more uh, uh, businesses looking for that machine learning and other types of automation that could be uh, used to automate problems experienced by our clients right now. Okay. No, that's fair. And then just. Craig, maybe a quick one. I think the EBITDA beat in the quarter, 18 million, you know, 6% beat toward the higher end of what we've typically seen over the last four years. Anything to note on the strengths, expense management, anything on timing of, of some investments? Uh, thanks. 
I mean, you know, there were, there were really uh, three or four buckets that really uh, helped drive that uh, EBITDA beat. You know, uh, annual marketing spend was a little lighter uh, fourth quarter, and some of that's just when we, uh, you know, are doing those uh, marketing um, things that, we're, that, that we had planned. A uh, little higher capitalization rate on the development, uh, and that's focused on new initiatives. Uh, you know, Betty clients generate higher quality revenue, so we saw a little bit of that. And then in the quarter, we had a, a net insurance proceeds of about $4.8 million uh, for expenses that were incurred both uh, current and prior quarters. So that, those, that's really what drove the uh, adjusted EBITDA beat. Thank you. The next question comes from Arvind Romani of Piper Sandler. Please proceed. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, no, I just wanted to ask a question. How should we think about growth from uh, existing clients who are expanding their own uh, client base? Uh, not not any different than what we've experienced uh, in the past. I mean, again, I'm removing the COVID uh, year out of that. Uh, but not any different than what we've experienced in the past. You know, in, in any given year, you have some clients grow. You have some clients not. You have some clients buy business. You have some clients sell business. And so uh, I believe that's always somewhat worked itself out. Maybe we win some, maybe we lose some. But really the growth uh, for us is driven by new logo ads. I mean, you know, Holly has book sales numbers that uh, uh, drive our revenue growth, and, and that's how we're going to hit our targets. Uh, I think that we expect stability within our current client base as we look to guide. We do have an assumption of stability. Uh, we don't really make assumptions of, uh, of growth and or uh, uh, downsizing within those uh, within our current clients. You know, across a, a 30,000 plus client base, uh, you know, it, seemed, it tends to have averaged out over the last 25 years that I've uh, done this with the, with the exception of uh, you know, the 2020, uh, some in 2021 time period. Uh, 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 terrific. And, and, you know, if you can just kind of uh, help me to reconcile, you know, the 8% growth in new logos versus the 14% uh, employee expansion, uh, how should I interpret those two, those two numbers? Well, I mean, that would tell you that the client size is uh, – uh, is growing as well there. You know, we I've been continuing to call out that we're having success uh, continuing to be pulled further and further up market. Uh, a couple of years, or about uh, six years ago, we went from 2,000 to 5,000. A couple of years ago, I mentioned that we're going above, uh, we're going up to 10,000. I've talked about how we're continuing to be pulled up even further. And so that's going to get you a, uh, you know, uh, a larger employee count with, uh, potential, uh, uh, you know, for less of a unit count. But I would also say uh, I don't want to overlook the fact that we've had a lot of success on the small business unit, and when you're looking at unit count growth, they're all created equal. I mean, everything's, you know, whether you're a one-employee unit or whether you're a 10,000-employee unit, you know, you're created equal on that report uh, from a unit count percentage. But um, it's just been a trend to larger clients with the exception of the two years where we decided we're going to add uh, our small business emerging business units uh, groups, of which now we have 10 teams and that really hadn't grown. The teams haven't grown. Of course, we continue to add small business units. Thank you. The next question comes from Bobin Shah of Deutsche Bank. 
Please proceed. Great, thanks for taking my question. Chad, I know we touched this, uh, touched this a bit earlier in the call, but are you seeing anything as it relates to changes in the pipeline generation or sales cycles over the past few months? Maybe even reasons why customers are maybe looking to switch or even selecting take up? Uh, you know, I mean, we continue to have strong uh, product demonstration leads, but that's oftentimes a function of our marketing and advertising, and, you know, we pay uh, for those leads. I can say for us it's been business as usual. You know, we've been back in the field uh, since September of last year, meaning actually back on site on every single call where before we were doing more of a hybrid, some were uh, virtual, some were in person. So, uh I would say, if anything, we're having less calls with the client to get to close. I can't necessarily say that's speeding up uh, uh, the process, but I think we're having uh, better conversations uh, as we go through the process. Uh, so really nothing to call out there. Uh, other than today when a client calls Paycom and uh, looks to have a product demonstration, it's about Betty. And I would say in times past, it could be about, uh, you know, whatever corn they had in their paw uh, that, you know, we're looking to pull out. So it's a little different uh, today in the type of uh, lead we are generating. That makes sense for there. And, and how do you think about the Pepperm opportunity in 2023 relative to some of the growth that you saw in 2022? Any specific areas and modules that are focused on Well, Betty definitely drives uh, Pepham because, uh, you know, you, you, you definitely have to have uh, a certain product set for us, uh, from us, uh, purchased and being used, uh, you know, in order for, uh, in order for Betty uh, to work for you. So, you know, I, I would say that the clients uh, uh, that we are selling, uh, you know, in 2022 uh, have a better, stronger product mix than those clients we would have been sold, selling in 2018 into our uh, 2019. We still do have an opportunity with current clients. Uh, you know, we do have to really work at their pace, uh, uh, you know, to get them uh, over to Betty and to really to get them to uh, achieve the value that it can uh, deliver, and we continue to look that and there, at that. And there's still opportunities uh, obviously, within our uh, current client base, to uh, deliver more PEPM, as well as on uh, new business sales. Thank you. And our final question comes from the line of Daniel Jester of BMO Capital Markets. Please proceed. Hey, great. Thanks for squeezing me in. Appreciate it. Just on that comment about Betty, Chad, can you update us what percentage of the base? Uh, has Betty at year end? We're around 50%. It's about where we were when we reported in November. Uh, you know, as clients go through year end, there's different objectives for both them and us as we're onboarding clients. Betty does require a uh, conversion of process on the side of the client as it is going to change how their employees utilize uh, the system. Uh, there's a detailed uh, conversion type plan that we go through with every uh, current client as they choose uh, how and when to deploy. But we're continuing to meet out there with our clients. I would also say that your larger clients uh, are deploying it a lot quicker. Uh, current clients are deploying it a lot quicker than what your uh, smaller uh, 
uh, your smaller clients, my current clients might be, be deploying it. Uh, as, a, as a point that I would mention once more, uh, all businesses of any size, whether they are small or large, since July of 2021 uh, have been uh, uh, sold and converted into Betty. So we're really talking about our current client base that we had prior to that. Great, thank one. And then just lastly, and you touched on this a couple of times about sort of the upmarket success and opportunities. Um, as I think about sort of how you're investing to attack those opportunities, is this strategic, i.e., that you're devoting more resources specifically because you think there's more opportunity in the upmarket, or is this tactical in which kind of year in and year out you're deploying resources and maybe one year you see more opportunity smaller and down market and another year you're seeing more opportunity in the up market so you can be sort of tactical with those sales investments. Thanks very much. Yeah, I'd say it's a little bit of both. And, you know, one thing I've been saying for quite some time now, you know, it's, our industry shifted. It shifted to leverage employee usage to help the client. When employees use the product correctly, the client has less exposure and liability around this process, which, you know, paying employees, uh, providing them benefits, and everything else, I mean, that carries uh, some exposure, even how you have an employee applies for a job. And so, you know, I believe that all these self, that this self-service uh, technology has really been helping uh, the client. The reason I say that is this. You know, when it comes to an employee, uh, you know, uh, Jan Smith, whether Jan Smith works at a 30-employee uh, or whether Jan Smith works for a 10,000-employee in regards to how they work with HCM and payroll products, it's substantially the same as far as the needs that Jan has. So what I would say is we've stayed very focused on the employee, and an employee is an employee regardless of which company they work for. They work for. Are there some things that a larger company uh, we just know we're going to run into that's going to be different than what we would run into uh, in a company that might have, uh, you know, 150 employees? Absolutely, there's some changes in that. And, and you know, I would say that's where more uh, uh, strategy comes into play uh, as well as, you know, making tactical moves to make sure that we're able to provide the back-end experience that they're looking for. But I will say, the more that we're doing at the employee level, uh, the less you're having to do on the back-end. Because a lot of the things you're doing on the back-end is to make sure you're not having issues uh, with the employee data and or if you do, you're having to fix it. And so, you know, you get a lot of points for prevention these days. And, uh, you know, large companies, they don't want to do a lot of extra work either. Thank you. And with that, we will conclude our time of question and answer. I would now like to hand the conference back over to Chad Richardson for closing remarks. Well, I want to thank uh, everyone for joining the call today, and I want to spend a, send a special thank you to our employees for contributing to our continued success. The 2022 was a great year for Paycom, and we're set up for another great year in 2023. We'll be hosting meetings in New York at the Wolf March Madness Software Conference in February. We'll also be participating in the KeyBank Emerging Tech Conference and the Morgan Stanley TMT Conference in San Francisco in March. We look forward to catching up uh, with many of you soon, and operator, you may disconnect. Thank you. Thank you for joining today's call. Thank you for your participation. We would now disconnect your lines.